Welcome back to our second part here of our AP World History Podcast, looking at Chapter 13 in Strayer and the Empires that were rising up in 1450. Uh, we're going to transition um, to now looking at the colonial societies that the Europeans set up in America. Uh, we're going to see a few different types. Uh, it really depends on kind of what was there beforehand and what resources those uh, regions have. Um, so, um, kind of first off, uh, one thing we need to probably talk about before we dive into that is why do you colonize uh, these regions, or why why would you make a colony? And uh, the reason for this is because of uh, a economic practice going on at the time in Europe known as mercantilism. Uh, we hadn't really seen this yet uh, in history. A lot of our merc or a lot of our economic systems were based around just bartering and trying to hold on to gold, but not really actively really trying to just hold on to it all, which is what mercantilism is about. Uh, mercantilism says the more gold you have in your bank account or in your coffers or your vaults, whatever you want to say, the stronger, more powerful of a nation you are. Um, today we look at that as not the best economic system. We look at capitalism as, as the best, or if you're left-leaning, you might say communism is the best, or socialism or something in between there with that. But uh, back then, the, the idea was to be mercantilist, and so you're going to try to hold on to as much gold as you can and make everyone else buy your stuff so you get more of their gold. And uh, this is why you would make a colony, so that you got those raw materials for essentially free or just for a low fee. You get them for, for as cheap as you could from your peoples in your colonies that you've conquered, and then you make a finished product and you sell it to everyone else and make millions of dollars off them. So that's why we see these colonies coming about. Uh, they are all about making as much money as you can uh, to be able to increase your kingdom's coffers and make your kings or the governments that are running it uh, wealthy and the people within the country, the parent country, uh, well, I shouldn't say country, kingdom at this time or parent state wealthy. Um, and so because of this, we see them not caring too much about the common people. Um, as well. We're going to kind of see that, uh, especially in the forced labor systems that we're going to see. So in the lands of the Incas and the Aztecs, uh, we are going to see in Mesoamerica, then in the Andes, that um, these ancient civilizations um, that have been around for about a, a hundred, a couple hundred years before the Europeans arrived or the Spanish conquistadors arrived, uh, had set up very strong civilizations, but they get knocked out. Um, and uh, that's because the conquistadors come in with superior tech. They use Native American uh, rivals to those powers, the Incas and the Aztecs, to help take them out. And then they subjugate everyone. And part of their subjugation or uh, kind of taxing or whatever you want to look at it as is that the Europeans came over, uh, claimed the land, uh, divided the land up between themselves, and then forced the Native Americans that lived on that land to work it. So you either were doing uh, some farm labor, doing some type of commercial agriculture. Not most likely you're not doing sugarcane or stuff like that, but you're growing other crops that are necessary. Or you're mining gold and silver from, from the mines in the areas, especially the most famous one being the Potosi mine in... Oh, I need to look that up real quick. I'm pretty sure it's in Bolivia, uh, but my memory is failing me right now. Um, Let's see, real quickly, it's in Bolivia. Okay, so um, 
to do this, to implement this system, uh, or to implement this forced labor, uh, they create three systems of forcing the Native Americans uh, to work. Uh, the first is the encomienda system, which uh, settlers got uh, the land that the American Indians were on, and the natives had to work it, but uh, they must treat them well and teach them to be good Christians. Um, this, though, eventually gets pointed out that it's not really working, and uh, they're not really doing a good job of that. So then that gets abolished, and they set up the repartimiento system, which is is pretty much the same thing, just now the king's overlooking it, although the king's staying in Spain, so he doesn't look over too well. So again, it 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 doesn't really fix some of the issues. And so then eventually you get the hacienda system, which has... Um, very large estates, but this time they actually employ the Native Americans instead of being kind of coerced and just living on the land and being forced to work it. Uh, but still, there are a lot of abuses that go on. They never really fix that problem with abuses. And uh, part of the reason is because of the, um, the social structure that goes on from this, uh, or that's set up by the Spanish as they come here. Uh, so uh, the, the biggest thing is, or the, the yeah. I mean, you can kind of think of this almost like the caste system in India. Um, not exactly, because people were, it was a lot more fluid. We weren't just kind of born into it. Um, it, it wasn't defined by your, your well, I guess you were kind of born into it, but you could rise up out of yours where in India we don't really see that happening that much, especially at, at least kind of more towards the modern times. Uh, older times, we're not entirely sure. We think it was more fluid, but again, we've talked about that in the past. Um, so, uh, number one, uh, the, the top group is known as the Peninsulares, and they are the Spaniards that were born in Spain to fully Spanish uh, parents. Then you got the Creoles who are under them, and these are all the, the, these are the top level. They're kind of together, but the Peninsulares are above the Creoles. These are Spaniards born to Spaniards, so a Spanish mother and a Spanish uh, father in the Americas. So those are the Creoles, um, or you might hear them as Criollos. And then... Um, you have the mestizos, and these are the mixed peoples, okay, or the mixed races. And so uh, you can hear mestizos if we're talking about uh, in, in Latin America, or you might hear mulattoes if we're talking about the Caribbean or, um, or um, Brazil, where we have a lot more African Ameri or Africans coming in. Um, big thing, with those two words, you probably don't want to use those in your everyday speech. Do not call someone that's a mixed race a mulatto or mestizo. You're going to be viewed as, um, you could be called a racist and you, people will not appreciate that. So don't use these terms to, to point out people or do anything like that. But uh, this is kind of the historical uh, language that they use to, to um, describe the people or to label the people. So um, Mestizos were that, that middle part then. Uh, they were kind of the, the middle class, you could think of it as, because they're a mix of Spanish blood and Native American blood. And this is what a lot of the people that uh, were in the society, um, or, or powerful in society, were, because you don't have a lot of Spanish women coming over to the Americas because of the, uh, the diseases that were there that would take them out. So most of them stayed home, and it's a lot of men just coming to the Americas. So they eventually marry Native American women, and uh, they have kids, and those are the mestizos. And um, these mestizos could then, and mulattoes could be divided into class based on the occupation they have, but also just the color of their skin. And so you, you see a lot of that in, how, are you half white, half black? Are you uh, three quarters white, one quarter black or Indian or whatever? 
or Native American, I should say. Um, and so you you get that going on, and it kind of nitpicks its way down. Uh, but the the lighter your skin was, the better. And again, you could rise out of this. As you're mestizo, and you showed yourself very capable, you could rise up to the rank of criollo, and they'll ignore your your past there. Um, there are some incidences of that, or examples of that happening. Then um, the lowest labor or uh, the lowest system uh, in Mesoamerica would be the Indians. If we're talking about um, the Caribbean, there we're going to that that'll be the slaves or the Africans. Uh, and then there's free Africans versus non-free Africans um, or slave Africans uh, in that case. But these are the people that are doing the forced labor. They're doing the toughest stuff, and um, we see them. Uh, not being as European, but instead mixing their native beliefs, uh, whether it's from Africa um, and creating things like um, voodoo uh, or in Latin America where they're mixing uh, Christianity with some of their Native American um, holy sites. So you see shrines being dedicated to saints instead of, or a saint that does a similar thing to that God that was originally there and, and stuff like that. So, um, that's the basics of social hierarchy, and that's going to apply to all the Spanish colonies, primarily in, in Latin America and the Caribbean. And then um, the other major um, colony system that we see uh, at this time, at least that the Spanish are controlling, is, and this is what we'll see in the Caribbean, are plantation systems, where they're based around primarily uh, sugar, but you also see a lot of coffee being grown or... Um, yeah, those are kind of the two main ones, coffee and, and sugar uh, being grown. And, and they are the most uh, profitable things to grow. And so uh, the reason why they're growing these is because they're the perfect weather conditions to be able to grow these. And there aren't as many natural resources on the islands. And so they, they really focus on sugar. Um, to do this, you need a, a large labor uh, pool that then you can pull on that's, that's very cheap. And so... Um, what you get is uh, the huge in-production or the, uh, the, the huge import of uh, slaves uh, from Africa. So they're coming from West Africa, South Africa, Central Africa, and they're being transported by Europeans to the Americas. And 80% of those are going to go to the uh, Caribbean or to, the, uh, to Brazil where all the sugar production is being done or the majority of it. Uh, we do see a few others. Um, the, a few other groups will go to Latin America proper or to North America with the, uh, what we'll see eventually is the 13 colonies of England and, uh, up to Canada, but we don't see a huge chunk of that. It's mostly, mostly it's going to the Caribbean. And the reason for this is because it is backbreaking labor and you have about five to 10% of your slave population dying a year. So you always need to replenish those numbers because otherwise you're going to run out. And they just don't care. They look at them as as a um, as subhuman, so it's not a big deal if they die. I'll just I'll just buy another one. And uh, with this, the slaves that come in, their families are being torn apart. Uh, they go through a a, a hellish ride um, in the hulls of ships that are cramped, where you have a a large chunk of the population dying. Um, not significant, like you're not letting seeing 50 or 50% or anything like that dying on it, but we're talking about, uh, 10% or so. Uh, if I remember the, the numbers correctly, uh, about 12 million, um, are transported, but only about 10 million make it. 
I'll, I'll try to see if I can. Um, yeah, 12 to 15 million are estimated, uh, but I can't remember. But about 10 million Africans actually make it uh, to there. So um, we're talking about two, around two, two and a half million, maybe even upwards of five million don't make it across. So it's it's a huge casualty rate there. And um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the basics of the uh, Caribbean sugar colonies. Again, some of those slaves do go up to the Americas, uh, or not to, up to the Americas, but up to North America, uh, and are throughout the colonies. They're throughout all 13 colonies. We'll see after the American Revolution, the northern colonies will start to say, hey, we shouldn't have slavery um, because we kind of fought against stuff like that, while the south will say, no, we need it for our economy. So... Um, Actually, that's what we're going to jump into right now, looking at North America. So uh, North America's colonies are different uh, from what we see, again, in Mesoamerica and in, in the Caribbean. Um, and that's because these aren't really set up by the Spanish. Uh, the Spanish was supposed to have claim to all this land in the Americas, but they go, ah, we don't really want North America. It doesn't look that good. And so uh, the British and, and France... Uh, the French uh, set up colonies. Uh, they, the French take Canada and um, everything kind of west of the Mississippi, they claim. And even east of the Mississippi, they'll claim up into the Appalachian Mountains. And so you get some fighting there, which we'll see later on, um, known as the French and Indian War. Uh, that's just one part of it. But uh, you, see, you see these colonies being established, and they are different. Um, much different than what we saw with the sugar colonies and the Mesoamerican ones. Uh, a lot of this is, is Europeans fleeing to go there. Uh, you see huge uh, influxes of Europeans going there instead of it being um, instead of it being Africans being forced to go there. Uh, people are looking to escape and set up a new life. Some are looking to escape religious persecution. The most famous of those being the Puritans and Quakers uh, setting up their colonies. Uh, but you also have people going there to uh, make millions of dollars, and they do this through growing tobacco in the southern colonies from kind of Virginia, Maryland on down. And um, and although uh, there are people fleeing for religious persecution and they do try to convert some Native Americans, you don't see the same system going in place that's saying you need to convert Native Americans as we see down uh, with those... Um, course labor systems that you do with Latin America. Um, and lastly, the, the biggest difference that we see here with the American colonies in North America, and primarily this is the 13 colonies we're talking about, is they're almost left to their own devices to do what they want to do as long as they're bringing goods into England and, and making England more money and and all that stuff. So as long as they're doing that, they're left alone. So you have this idea of self-governance, which you don't see uh, in the Spanish colonies, the crown's always kind of looking over and making sure that they're having what wants, excuse me, what they want to have happen there happen. And so this is going to lead to some future issues where the 13 colonies are eventually going to say, hey, you know what, we've got self-governance, we don't need to have England with us and we'll break away. And that'll lead to eventually the creation of the United States. So you can see three kind of separate systems here in what's going on. Uh, North America, you don't have as much slavery. It's a lot more focused on on people escaping Europe to go and, and find new land there and settle in the region. Um, in Latin America, uh, with Mesoamerica and South America, you have uh, coerced labor for the Native Americans. 
that uh, is being enforced by Peninsulares and Creoles. And then you have um, in the Caribbean a focus on sugar uh, plantations. And so you have a lot of forced labor going on there with the uh, pretty much erasure of the native culture that was there beforehand. So um, that was a bit long. Sorry that this one dragged on a little bit more, but it's a lot of uh, good and, and kind of complicated stuff. So hopefully this clarifies that. Uh, we'll keep the, the next one short. Uh, actually, we might combine that. We might combine the Russians with the uh, Asians uh, empire. So uh, that'll be the next one we'll look at, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up there.